On this episode of the Calgary Stampeder podcast, we chat about the Labor Day Classic and the Labor Day rematch happening this Saturday, September 11th, the Stamps' playoff chances and what they have to do to get there, and Kadeem Carey in the Stamps' successful but sometimes underused running game. Welcome back to episode two of the Calgary Stampeder podcast, of course, brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Fine Cars, Royal Oak. Jock Wilson, my co-host, sitting across from me this morning. Jock, how are you? Well, I'd be a lot better if the Stampeders weren't one in four heading into week number six. Yeah, it was a, a very much a letdown game against the Edmonton Elks on, uh, Labor, on Monday in the Labor Day Classic after, you know, we sat here doing our podcast after the Alouettes game and or sorry before the Alouettes game and then they won that Montreal Alouettes matchup they lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a close game and I think by all accounts Jock we thought this team is taking all the steps in the right direction that they need to this should be a good one on Monday this is a young team this is a rebuilding team a lot of organizations don't like to use that word but it's quite clear this team is not quite good enough. I I said it so many times on Sports Talk. You know, I, I had never seen so much optimism around a 1-3 in three football club. And, and, and I do get it because you can make a case they could have beaten the Toronto Argonauts in the season opener. You could make a case they should have beaten the BC Lions in, in week number two. Their quarterback was playing on a broken leg. And unfortunately, I believe I Mitchell had a very, very poor game. Uh, the game against Montreal was close, but that was only because of a late mistake, the bad snap. Everybody knows what happened happens there, but I, but I thought the Stampeders were certainly a better team than the Alouettes. And then the, the Edmonton game, the Labor Day Classic, and, and you know full well, Dave, the Stampeders come into this game for the first time, really, and, and there's optimism, and the Stampeders are considered the favorite in this game. They were in this game until the fourth quarter, but they crashed and burned in the fourth quarter, and we've seen that happen so many times with this young team. A bad first quarter, a bad fourth quarter, and that's why you're a one and four football club. They, it's it's so strange because we've become so accustomed to in this city, the Stamps either being up by quite a bit mm-hmm. going into the fourth quarter because they start so well in the first half, or coming back in a fourth quarter setting. And that is something we haven't seen this year. I think it directly attributes to their one and four record. But the slow starts are the ones that are kind of baffling me because they seem to be moving the ball. Now, we've talked about it several times, not only on this podcast, but on the pre- and post-game show. Penalties seem to stop those drives, and they can't seem to score in the red zone right now. Hey, Jake Mayer's been excellent. He's had a really tough time getting this offense into the end zone. If you want to look at the positives, the positives are Josh Huff leading the Canadian Football League in receiving. You know, you, you've got Markeith Ambles having a very, very good season. You know, so is the receiving the issue? Yeah, there's a lot of drop balls. I do get that. Kamar Jordan, I thought, was very, very good against the Elks in the Labor Day Classic. You got Kadeem Carey. You know, everybody thought Kadeem Carey was going to have a good season this year, and he has had a good season. But with the run pass option that is now so prevalent in football, not only the Canadian Football League, but the NFL, you know, you, you go, what? where the hell is the running game? Because, you know, Kadeem Carey has the numbers, like an average of about seven yards per carry, and you're thinking, 
Why do they go away from that in the second half? And I do get it. You know, when the other teams start blitzing, that run-pass option comes into play, and, you know, the quarterback has to, to make the call. So you, you look at some of the positives on the offensive side of the ball, as you said, this team isn't 1-4 because their starting quarterback is out because Jake Mayer has been very, very good. This team is 1-4 because their defensive line is not up to par. Mm-hmm. And when the defensive line can't get pressure on the opposing quarterbacks, that exposes the secondary. The secondary is supposed to be the strength of this football club. And yet when there's no pressure on the quarterback, sooner or later, good receivers are going to get open. And that's what's happening. And, you know, let's let's throw the Labor Day game out for a second because there was some very, very poor coverage, uh, poor tackling, some soft coverage in that game. That was the worst game of the season for the secondary. It still boils down to me to the defensive line. And, and some of that is interesting. Related, it was too bad that Flo or Malade goes down with an injury in the same game. You lose a Jarrell Owen, so you know Sean Lemons is a good player, but he's not the player that he was four yeah. or five years yeah. ago. So you know that's and 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 then you talk about the penalty. So you know Banks is there, Odom is there, but it's just it's not a dynamic defensive line. I give all the pressure or all the credit in the world to guys like uh, you know Mike Rose and Derek Wiegand because I think you know they they got lots of try. Sometimes too much try because it it costs them uh, some penalties. But boy, unless you can get this uh, defensive line fixed, it's going to be a long year for the Calgary Stampeders. Well, and that's kind of the issue I have as Mm -hmm. well is Dave Dickinson said um, earlier this week when, you know, talking to the media that it takes generally the best pass pass rushers in this league are not first-year players Mm -hmm. because you are adapting. You look at Chris Odom. He's a player that is still learning the Canadian game. He's a young player. He's coming off a yard further back than he would in, you know, American football or or the NFL or the NCAA. And the fact that they are so inexperienced, it is really showing. And then you do have a game like Monday. And when Dave Dickinson says, I thought our ends played pretty good. It was up the middle that we struggled. That is something you can't have. Yeah. You know, you, you look back to that fourth quarter. And, you know, it's still a very, very close game. The Stampeders are still in the game. They have a chance. And and what did James Wilder Jr., he, he broke like four or five tackles and just ran up the middle and up the gut of of this football, uh, you know, club's defense. And it really did put the game out of reach because of uh, because of a couple of plays by, by James Wilder Jr. Now, again, it's a football game and it's not just one or two plays, but but that was really glaring. And, you know, you can go back to that Montreal win. You could make a case it was the interior of the defensive line that, that won that game yep. for the Calgary Stampeders because, you know, Mike Rose and Derek Wiegand left everything on the table. So, <laughs> uh, again, but it's, it's, it's a four-man line, not a two-man line. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest issue in my books. Yep, and, and I'm with you there, Jock. So uh, let's talk playoff chances mm-hmm. for this team. One and four. Nobody is mathematically eliminated in the CFL so far this year, but they have dug themselves a pretty big hole, seeing as, you know, the teams you are chasing have played one less game. The teams you realistically can catch in the West. Now, granted, they could go out and sweep the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and win three games. I don't think we have a lot of confidence in that happening this year. So what do you think the Stamps have to do to get in in the West or get in on a crossover? In a 14-game shortened CFL season, I I was pretty adamant at the start of the season that it would take at least seven wins 
to get into the playoffs. So that's that's a 500 record. And, and, and I think that's that's still a pretty fair assumption when it's all said and done. You're right about the Canadian Football League. It's one of the easiest leagues to make the playoffs because six of the nine teams make the playoffs. You do have the crossover that could be in effect. Now, if, if you break down the first five weeks of the Canadian Football League, I, I think it's pretty clear. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in a class by themselves. They're, they're the best team Top in the, the league. league. And, and the Stamps almost beat that team. Now, I think you could say Saskatchewan probably is in, you know, that second tier, probably with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Hamilton is on a two-game winning streak, so I would put those two teams in the second tier. Then you've got a bunch of two-win teams, you know, in that third tier. Then you've got the the fourth tier where the Calgary Stampeders are, and then the last tier where the Ottawa Redblacks are. I I just can't believe that the Calgary Stampeders are a worse team than the Ottawa Redblacks. So they're not the worst team in the league, (laughs) but, you know, they have some work to do to get out of this hole. So your question was, what did the Stampeders have to do to make the playoffs? Well, they need a lot of luck. You know, they're they're one and four. Last time they were one and four was two thousand and four, I believe. And what did they finish that year? They finished four and fourteen. Uh, it's a pretty good sample size. Five games in, that you're a one and four club. You're you're probably not a five hundred football club. And then you look at the schedule. You got a situation. You got only nine games left. Six of those games are on the road. And you know, you go into Edmonton this weekend. Edmonton is at home. Do I think the the Elks are a real good team? No. Do I think they're a better team than the Stampeders? Well, they showed that last week, but I don't think they're a lot better than the Calgary Stampeders. So, number one, you got to beat the Elks this weekend. And then you look at the schedule. You've got Hamilton, home and home with Saskatchewan, (laughs) BC, and then another one with Saskatchewan. So, you know, the middle portion of this schedule is going to be tough because you have to go into the Steel City. You have to go into Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field and and try to beat the Tiger Cats there that are playing much better football. Saskatchewan, you know, home and home series. You'll be lucky if you get a split in, in that series, in my opinion. Uh, BC Lions, I don't think they're much better than the Calgary Stampeders, so you got to win that game as well. So, okay, I've said you got to beat Edmonton this weekend. You might get a split against Saskatchewan. That's two wins. You got to beat BC. That's three wins. Now, you, now you're a four-win club. You still got to get three more wins in your final three games of the season. Well, Ottawa's the the free space on the bingo card. So you got to go into Ottawa on Friday, October the 29th, get that win. That's five wins. Now you're going to have to find a win in those uh, final three games against our two wins against Saskatchewan, BC, and Winnipeg. I guess I, I don't want to make predictions because every time I, I make predictions, I'm wrong and I have to eat your hat and all that other kind of stuff. But I don't see a road where this team makes the playoffs. I don't. The only way I see it happening is in a crossover. And that, mm-hmm. it, that would entail... How many wins? They're one and four now, which means they have nine games left. One and four, that's five. How's my math? Not great. <laughs> you're, you're thinking five. five or six wins? You think five wins will get you into the playoffs in the, in the crossover? But that that means you need Montreal to pretty much get two more wins mm-hmm. the rest of the season. The Argos, um, I think they're the second best team in mm-hmm. the East. Um, and then, as we say, the free space is the Red Blacks. So you need to play better. Yeah. You need you at least need to tie the Montreal Alouettes record see, down th- the stretch. That's where the problem is, because a lot of those Eastern teams are going to get the free space in the bingo card with the Ottawa Red Blacks. And I don't see the Ottawa Red Blacks winning, you know, many more games. They, they'll be lucky to win one more game this season. Yeah. You know, because I, I just don't think they're good enough unless, you know, there's a trade or something. They, you know, maybe Dominic Davis can can get, get that team over the hump. So that's going to give those Eastern teams 
a few more wins. And again, to win the crossover, you can't have the tied record. You got to have the better record than that 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 third playoff team in the East. So, I still think seven wins would in my books. But you know, hey, I've been wrong before, Davey. I've been wrong before. <laughs> well, I just look at the West, and we do think Winnipeg mm. is the class. So they need Winnipeg to beat up on the Elks and the Lions. Mm-hmm. And then the Stamps need to go ahead and win right. all their games against both the Elks and the Lions. To your point, Jock, you think the Stamps would be lucky to get a split on the home-and-home? Home. That's, what, two out of the three games, three games in four weeks against Saskatchewan? Yeah. Um, they got to go 2-1 and one in that series. So there's four wins in your division. Right. Um, Can you beat Saskatchewan two out of three? That's the only path I see. Okay. Uh, you know, you win your game against against Ottawa, um, and then you're still probably hoping to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the last game of the season, a team that, you know, we don't see a lot of teams sit players before the playoffs in this league yeah. because most, like, if you're the number one seed, I should I should clarify, we don't see a lot of number one seeds rest players in the last game of the season yeah. because then that's a two-week layoff before you play in the West Final. So you're going to get most likely a Winnipeg team unless they have, you know, they're banged up at that point in the season. Uh, you're going to get a full-strength Winnipeg team. And can you beat the? Can you beat them? The Stampeders right now can't. Yeah, we might have a better idea after this weekend because, you know, BC gets the Ottawa Red Blacks, and they're at home. They're trying to impress their new ownership group. They were not very good against Edmonton in their home opener in front of their new owner. owner. So I, I think BC is going to be fired up, and that should be a big win there. And, and then it boils down to the return match in the Labor Day Classic because if the Stamps can pull off a victory in Edmonton, well, then... You know, that does that does create an opening for this team to sneak in. And then, you know, will it be the Edmonton Elks that they're fighting, fighting for for that final playoff spot? Or, or will it be the, the BC Lions? Because the Elks, let's not forget, you know, even though they didn't, you know, lose a game uh, because of their COVID outbreak, uh, that ending of the season where they play three games and seven nights, that's going to take a toll on their body. They are going to be beat up, and it's a very, very difficult schedule. So that may open up a door for the Calgary Stampeders if they can keep their their, their head in this game. And 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 you know what's so interesting is here we are in the media, and we're good. We're good at this. We're we're good at looking ahead of the schedule, oh. where you know Dave Dickinson and the coaching staff. They're not doing that. They're taking it one game at a time. The old cliche: one quarter at a time, one play at a time. And uh, they're not they're not looking ahead. You know, to the uh, to the Hamilton Tiger Cats or that uh, you know three out of four weeks uh, schedule against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But I, I think that's what we have to do. Uh, you know, because fans are asking the same question. Yep. And as I said, there was a lot of optimism after a one and three start. Not quite the same optimism. Optimism after a one in four start after the Labor Day loss. I would say it's a you know it's a complete flip. Like yeah. it's a 180 degree turn for fans. They went from hey we had a really close game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Once we win this game against Edmonton, we're mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and it's just not the case. But to your point, Jock, and I wanted to ask you about that. This three games in what seven nights for the Edmonton Elks that could decide the Calgary Stampeder season. It really could. It, it really could. And again, where are we going to be at that point in the season? So we, we don't know. Now we're looking into a crystal ball and we really are speculating, hey, if the Stampeders only win three more games the rest of the season, it won't matter. Yeah. Because they're going to be out of it, then Edmonton will probably be battling the BC Lions for that final playoff spot. So the Stampeders still have to take care of their their own business, I think, from that uh, from that perspective. But again, it just it, it, you know, hey, the next game is the most important game. I do understand that, and that's why you know you you can look at the rematch in Edmonton. If the Stampeders lose that game, they go to one and five. I, I think you know you're. I don't know what the playoff percentages will be, but they will not be very good for the Calgary Stampeders. Hey, all I'll say, Mister Positive over here. <laughs> Last week, you know, the first week. 
week of September, the Toronto Blue Jays, I know it's different, it's baseball. Oh, yes. The Toronto Blue yep. Jays had a 4% chance, according to fan graphs, to make the MLB postseason a week later. They're at 48%. Yeah. So, hey, stranger things have happened in the world of sports, baseball and football. Very different games, very different schedules. You don't get to play. But the one thing you're leaving out, I think the Jays are on a seven or eight game winning streak, are they not? Yeah, they are. And, and the thing, and another. <laughs> the Stamps have to do the same thing. And another thing I was going to get to Stamps don't get to play BC four more times no. and, and, and Edmonton four more times. No. Um, so, uh, saying that, it'll be, uh, it'll be very interesting. Uh, one last thing I did want to touch on you, or touch, touch on you, Jock. I'll be cutting that out, buddy. Uh, touch on with you uh, in this podcast is Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about it. Do you think after you know a Labor Day game that didn't go your way and put so much more importance on the Labor Day rematch coming up this Saturday, uh, September 11th, is it? Are they at a point where they are forced to put Bo back in? Well, I think that's that's a great question because what is this team missing right now? They're missing veteran leadership. No one is going to throw Jake Mayer under the bus no. because Jake Mayer has been very very good. Three straight 300 yard games. But he's still a rookie, mm-hmm. and he's not a leader. He doesn't control the dressing room. He doesn't control the sidelines like Bo Levi Mitchell. You're also missing another one of your defensive captains in Jamar Wall. There's another leader that is is not quite there. You know, Brandon Dozier has been very, very good, but he's not Jamar Wall. So, so I see, you know, what this team is missing is some of that star power that they've had in the past, and they're missing the leadership. So just putting Bo Levi Mitchell back in, I think, will give this team a huge boost. Now, I do get it. If he's not quite healthy enough to play, you don't want to risk the player because I don't think any coaching staff would do that with your star player. He's too important moving forward. But I will say this. If he's 90%, he's in in my books. He's got he's yeah. to play. And, and I really do believe that. And even if he's on the roster, it could give the team some boost because, you know, at least he's dressed. You could have the option, you know, maybe starting Jake and then, you know, putting in Bo for a couple of different series just to give a different look, you know, to the offense. I will be stunned. I won't eat your hat, but I will be <laughs> stunned if he's not on the roster this weekend. I'm not saying he's going to start, yeah. but I, I just think, I think he needs to be on the roster. I really do. And so, you know, you've already taken him off the six-game injury list, so you're not getting any salary cap relief. Yeah. So you may as well put him in there. And if you don't think he's quite 100%, you know, start Jake Mayer. And if there if there's a situation in the game that you need, um, you know, Bo Levi. Because the one thing we know with, with Jake, you know, he's really good with the short passes. You're not really stretching the field with Jake yet. I haven't seen it yet. No. So Bo Levi Mitchell can stretch the field. And that can open up more opportunity for Kadeem Carey and, yep. and all of those uh, those other elements. So I, I tell you what, it's going to be interesting. And and say if the Bo Levi Mitchell comes back and you still are out of the playoff picture, then people are going to say, well, it's time to trade Bo Levi Mitchell. We'll save that for another podcast yep. because I know that, that has certainly been, uh, been bantied around. There's two things for me. One is swagger. This team throws that word around mm-hmm. a lot. We need to play with more swagger. This team doesn't have an identity yet, Dave. That's it, the problem. Exactly. This team needs to play with more swagger. And it's clear that at least in two of the three games that Jake Mayer is playing, his confidence, which he is full of, is it's not coming to the forefront nope. throughout the rest of the wa- roster. But when Bo Levi Mitchell plays, he brings a swagger to this team that no other player on the team can bring to the table. Another thing is for me, if you know, I'm I'm willing to go 75 percent because if he's 75 percent, put him in there because Bo, he 
he brings respect that I don't think they got in the first game mm-hmm. against Edmonton. They were blitzing the crap out of Jake Mara in that game. Do you do that against a Bo Levi Mitchell? And they were very successful. It's a big reason that they well, won the game because the Stamps went away from the run game, which was had been pretty successful over the first quarter and a half. So if Bo's back, do you see less blitz? And then, you know, Bo can maybe stretch that field a little bit more. I know that's counterintuitive. You would mm-hmm. think when they're blitzing, that's when you stretch the field. But he takes more chances than Jake has taken, at least in the first three games. And I'm not... I'm not knocking Jake Mayer. I'm no. not. He's been excellent for the team. But he, Bo just brings that different element that Jake hasn't brought at least so far. I think early in the game, you probably do blitz, you know, just to see how mobile Bo is, Bo is back there and to see. But, but hey, th- there's the veteran quarterback coming out because we know Bo has one of the quickest releases in the game. You know, he can read defenses. I think Jake can read defenses pretty well, but but he hasn't got the experience. Yeah, he's still Levi. learning. He's yeah, still doesn't learning. have the experience that, uh, that Bo Levi Mitchell has. So, you know, you're taking, and, and, and that's exactly what Edmonton did. They threw the kitchen sink at Jake Mayer because they wanted to see what this young kid could do. And, you know, he still passed for over 300 yards. Great, but he didn't win the football game, right? Exactly. And so it, it just comes down to that element where, yeah, I think the veteran leadership of a, of a Bo Levi Mitchell, the fact that he knows, you know, CFL defenses, he's had very, very good success against this Edmonton team, you know, has had very good success against uh, Trevor Harris. Um, I, I think it would be interesting. And, and I think after a couple of blitzes and if Bo can pick it up, pick them apart, then you might see a little more zone from the, from the Edmonton Elks. And, and that will be, that will, that will play in the Stampeders favor for if that does happen. I'll, we'll finish it off with this one today. And okay. I, I know your answer, but I'm going to ask you anyways, okay. must win this Saturday. <laughs> um, I think I've already broken down my, my playoff <laughs> scenario for this team to make the playoffs. So for this team to make the playoffs, yes, I think it is a must win. Um, if if they're still just building and trying to, uh, to 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 get something going here, then I guess uh, you know you you never want to put uh, put that emphasis on your team. So I understand the coaching staff would never say that, but no, I I don't I don't see a scenario where this team makes the playoffs if they don't beat Edmonton this weekend. Now, Jock, that's all for our portion of the podcast today. But our very own Mark Steven, play-by-play man for the Calgary Stampeders, he caught up with Jake Mayer a week before the Labor Day Classic and caught up with him a little bit. You can have a listen to that now. I'm from La Habra, California, uh, down in Southern California. Uh, the easiest way I explain to people uh, that aren't from California is I say I'm about 15 minutes from Disneyland. So uh, <laughs> that usually works for, for people that, that, that visit and vacation out there. So yeah, I think most so, people have been to Disneyland, La Havre. We're not quite so sure. Yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, obviously football is your sport now, but were you involved in other sports, other games, uh, say in high school or even before? Absolutely. Growing up, I was a baseball player and really a baseball player only until I got into high school. Uh, and then I got really into playing quarterback, but baseball was really my first love as uh, the sport that really has my athletic background, really the backbone of who I am as an athlete. And, uh, you know, coming from a family that coached baseball and softball, you know, me and my brothers, we, we lived, lived and, uh, and uh, dreamed about, you know, being baseball players one day. So uh, baseball is my background, played a little bit in high school, had a nice high school career towards the end playing baseball. And then uh, once I got once I got later in my high school career, I should say, I, I got serious about football and then ultimately, you know, played college football. And, and now here I am today. Just now the switch to the pros. How has it been? Uh, you know, the caliber of play is different. In fact, the rules are different for that matter. But yeah. just being a professional your entire life is uh, getting ready for next week's game. Uh, just the adjustment and how exciting that is. Oh, it's been really exciting. I mean, the adjustment has been uh, has been challenging. 
you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like it hasn't. I mean, it's definitely been a challenge. It's taken a lot of extra studying, a lot of extra hours. Um, but you know, I have a great support system, not only, uh, you know, back home with my family, but out here. I mean, my, the, the, my team out here is, has had my back, you know, throughout the summer, throughout, you know, the last couple of weeks of, of, of me, of me, you know, stepping in and, and fulfilling a pretty important role and, and our coaching staff, likewise, I mean, they've, they've set me up for success. They've made, they've made this transition as easy as it can possibly be. And I know how challenging that must be for them because this is a, this is a hard game, you know, especially for, for an American coming up and really not playing it his whole life. You know, it is different. It is different. American game, CFL game. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no way, there's no way to simulate it until you go out there and, and let it happen. So, you know, the transition has been fun, but it has been challenging. That is all for episode two of the Calgary Stampeder podcast. Of course, it's brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Fine Cars Royal Oak. Catch the pregame show on Saturday, September 11th at 3.30 from Edmonton and at our home studios here in Calgary. And then kickoff will go at 5 o'clock with Mark Stephen and Greg Peterson. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to the Calgary Stampeder podcast. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, hey, tell another football fan, or hey, tell a friend.